Welcome to Reproductive Left, produced by WERU in collaboration with Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center, a feminist, client-centered, sexual and reproductive health care provider in Bangor, Maine. I'm your host, Abby Strout. On each show, we tackle a topic that impacts our sexual and reproductive health by inviting members of our community who work specifically on the subject. Reproductive Left covers a variety of issues, including, but certainly not limited to, reproductive rights, feminism, access to services, sexuality, gender, and relationships. To wrap up our show, we answer your sexual and reproductive health questions in our Ask Mabel segment. Be sure to stick around for it. Welcome to Reproductive Left. Thank you for listening. I hope you had a great holiday season. I have an awesome guest with me today, someone you've heard many times. With me is Terry Marley DeRozier, one of Mabel Wadsworth Center's nurse practitioners and co-founders, and she has been answering your sexual and reproductive health questions for over a year in our Ask Mabel segment. Today, we are going to get to know Terry. Hi, Terry. Thank you for being on the show, and welcome. Hey, Abby. Good to be here. So, um, this past summer, I know that you celebrated your 40th anniversary from nursing school, which means you've been in the healthcare field for 40 years um, and doing women's health for most of that time. So, my first question is, 40 years later, or almost 40 years, do you still enjoy the work that you're doing today? Abby, it is hard to believe that it has been 40 years since we got out of nursing school. And about 37 of those years, I have been doing women's health care and happy to do it. Um, My passion for the work hasn't faded. Every day at work to me is an opportunity to meet new clients who might potentially be a new friend. Um, Every woman's story is unique. Um, That keeps me... um, always excited about what the next day can bring because it's always um, different. Um, I know some practitioners have felt like the women's health care role might be a little too narrow for them because, I mean, how many times can you do a pap smear and still stay, you know, excited about the work? You know, doing a woman's pap test is, you know, a, a part of her, you know, annual exam but there's so much more to that annual exam than just the technique of doing a pap test. You really do get to know what's going on in that woman's life, and I think that's what has kept me so always interested in in the continued passion about the work. What brought you to the work? Why did you decide that sexual and reproductive health was going to be your field? I was inspired to do this work back in 1977 when I was working at a little um, hospital in Lincoln, Penobscot Valley Hospital. There was a PA there, uh, Bo Miller, um, who started a satellite clinic for the Family Planning Association. Uh, He needed some volunteers to do intake and uh, educate women regarding contraception and reproductive health, so I volunteered. Um, The role felt so natural to me, and I loved sharing such important knowledge with women to help them take charge of their bodies and, to quote Mabel herself, take charge of their lives. In 1979, I was offered an opportunity to become a women's health care nurse practitioner through a Title X uh, federal grant, and so off I went, leaving um, 
my little town in rural Maine and landing in Los Angeles um, to begin this wonderful um, life journey. Um, Dr. Bill Schubert, who was uh, OBGYN in Bangor back in the day, um, was my physician preceptor, and he was a very special mentor. He fanned the flame of my passion for this work. I went to work for the family planning clinic that was Penquist Family Planning at that time and met Sharon Barker um, and Ruth Lockhart and Leslie Smith. Um, and that was a fantastic opportunity to develop my own feminist perspective. Um, and then I was hooked. So I just want to interrupt real quick to say that Ruth Lockhart and Sharon Barker are also two of Mibble Wadsworth Center's co-founders, and I'm not sure who Leslie Smith is. Leslie Smith was one of the women's health um, specialists that we worked with who would be a client advocate. That was her role at family planning. And together, you know, it was just a real um, learning time, you know, for me and uh, that opportunity to bounce ideas off such, you know, strong feminist um, mm. women was just a great opportunity. Um, every day was different, as were the women that we provided care to. And it was there that I learned to hear her story, not just what was written on the history. Um, my desire to support women in abortion care has also kept my passion for this work ever strong. We really need to continue to use our voices to make sure that we secure access to safe and accessible abortion care. You are known as the local expert on menopause, and in the early years of Mabel's, we would host health conferences specifically on the subject, and from what I hear, I was not around then, um, they were just always full, full classes, full workshops. I'm wondering, so what were some of the common questions um, that or concerns that women had, and what was bringing them to these, to these conferences? You know... Health in Our Hands conferences were just such an opportunity to reach out to women in the greater Bangor uh, area and allow them a forum to discuss issues around menopause and basically women's health in, in general. So they were very well attended. Uh, we tried to use you know local experts right from the, the greater Bangor area to do the different you know workshops. Um, I think the uh, workshop providers were just got just as much out of the whole experience as anyone that attended you know and our numbers began to grow through the years and it's really kind of how we ended up starting Mabel Wadsworth Center was you know through these initial um, trainings um, we talk a lot about menopause and we do it at clinic now many women come in and that is their primary um, need is discussions or you know discussion around menopausal issues so I, I thought I would address like four of the most common um, questions and concerns and and a brief answer uh, to those oftentimes the first question is should I use estrogen if your menopausal symptoms are interfering you know with the quality of your life then I think that estrogen supplements can certainly be a benefit um, I really encourage women to talk to their health care provider, though, about their own personal risk factors, 
be well informed about the risks and benefits of estrogen and always remember that the goal with estrogen is to take the lowest dose for the shortest period of time. Heart disease uh, is the leading cause of death in women over 40 in our country. So I would like to just say, you know, know your blood pressure. And if you're on blood pressure medications, make sure you're taking them regularly. Know your cholesterol. Eat a balanced diet. Move about regularly, whether that's dance, walking, biking, swimming. Whatever you like to do, do it and do it often. Quit smoking and avoid unnecessary stress. Number three is osteoporosis. It's important to make sure that you get an adequate calcium. Typically, we would recommend about 1,200 milligrams a, a day, and that can either be in a supplement or if you are a person that um, consumes dairy or foods that are high in calcium, you can um, certainly get that through your diet as well. And also to include um, 600 to 2,000 uh, units of vitamin D daily. And be outside as much as you can because, you know, absorbing vitamin D from the sun through your skin is really, you know, the ideal way um, to get that vitamin. Um, stay on your feet. Uh, do as much weight-bearing activity as, as you can because that does help to stimulate bone growth. Avoid caffeine. Quit smoking or don't ever start. Uh, get a bone density at about age uh, 65 or sooner uh, if you have risk factors. Sex after menopause. My answer is simple. Do it and do it often. As often as you can because it really does keep your vagina healthier and more able to tolerate uh, intimacy and penetration when we are using it for that purpose. Um, you may need to use more lubricants. You may need to be more creative and try different techniques. But sex after menopause can be very rewarding. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to Reproductive Left, produced in collaboration by Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center and Community Radio WERU. On the show today, we are getting to know Terry Marley DeRozier, one of Mabel Wadsworth Center's nurse practitioners and co-founders. She has been answering your sexual and reproductive health questions for over a year in our Ask Mabel segment. Before we get back to the interview, I want to tell you about our upcoming live recording for our February's episode of Reproductive Left. On January 21st from 6 to 8 p.m. at Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center for our annual celebration of the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which was the Supreme Court case that legalized abortion in the United States, we will be doing our first ever live recording of Reproductive Left. Joining us are activists and healthcare providers from Fredericton, New Brunswick. In July of 2014, Mabel Wadsworth Center started seeing an increase in clients traveling to us from New Brunswick for abortion care. Their local clinic, the Morgan Toller Clinic in Fredericton, had closed. But it did not take long before a new clinic opened. The activist groups Reproductive Justice New Brunswick and Fredericton Youth Feminists began a crowdsourcing campaign to fund a clinic. And in January of 2015, just a year ago, Clinic 554 opened. 
You're invited to join us for this live recording as we learn more about the work they did and continue to do to keep abortion accessible in New Brunswick. For more information about the event, you can go to www.mabelwadsworth.org or visit Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center on Facebook. You can also call 947-5337. And an RSVP is required to attend this event. Now back to the interview. At Mabel's, we say we put women or in our clients in control of their health care. We see them as equal partners in their health care team. I was wondering if you would talk a little bit about how what that means and how it influences um, the how you provide care. I think that it starts with really listening and seeing the woman and knowing her specific situation. That, I think, is one of the differences at Mabel Wadsworth Centers. We really do try to hear what she's really saying. We try to know what her life situation is like. What is her home life like? You know, what about significant uh, relationships, whether that be partners or with children or not? Um, What is her work life? How is she doing financially? What goes on for her in her support network? What about spirituality? What previous knowledge of the issue that she's coming into the center to discuss does she have? And what is her goal for the visit? We trust our clients to be honest with their story. We take them at their word. We'll get records. If a client states she's had services already done, we don't just do it. Uh, We will wait and get records. We present information as frankly and unbiased as possible uh, with no judgment. At Mabel's, we're all about options. We share the knowledge we hope will help you make the best health life decisions for yourself. We want to know at the end of your visit if you felt your needs or issues were addressed and met. We truly have a partnership with every client and we strive to um, for quality care at affordable prices. When we're prescribing medications or ordering tests, we consider what is the cost of the client? We believe in the golden rule, Abby, as you know. Treat others like you'd want to be treated. When clients know they're in control of the visit, they will have a better and less stressful experience, even if it's their first time at the center. So one of the other things that you do at the center is um, have other... Nurse, have nurse practitioners who are entering the field follow you, observe, and learn from you. So my question is, what advice would you give women um, entering the field of women's health? One of the greatest rewards for me um, at this point um, in my life doing this work is to mentor um, new folks coming into the field of, of provision of health care for women. And I would advise women going into health care that's dedicated to serving women to do some work on how they feel about themselves, their bodies, their sexuality, and their own health care. When we know or learn how important it is to love yourself just as you are, then you can accept others um, much more naturally. Enter each client visit without a personal agenda. Let your client know that you are there to work for her and that she is the one who is really in charge of the visit. And always warm your speculums. Never rush penetrating any orifice. And remember that in this case, smaller 
always is better. <laughs> That's great advice. And what do you think the most important lesson you have learned from being a women's health nurse practitioner? I believe that one of the most important things that I have learned is that the exam really starts from the minute you walk through the door of the exam room. Observing the body language um, of a client can really help you to see where she's coming from before you even hear her voice. Um, how she's holding herself on the, on the table. How does she have the drape sheet placed can be quite an insight into how she's feeling about the whole exam. Um, if the client has the drape sheet on her lap tied, tucked underneath her and just as snug as a bug in a rug, you know that's probably going to be a woman who you might need to do a little bit more talking with before you do any hands-on versus that client that's sitting on the table with no drape by choice. That's a pretty clear message that this is going to be a good and laid-back visit. You know, and I think that learning to do a pain-free uh, pelvic exam um, is one of the most important things that we can bring to, to the visit to help that woman be as comfortable as possible with an exam that inherently is not. Thank you for that work. Um, and thank you for being on Reproductive Left today. My pleasure both. <laughs> And listeners, stick around. There is time this week for Ask Mabel. And we'll be right back with nurse practitioner Terry Marley DeRocher. Welcome to Ask Mabel with nurse practitioner Terry Marley DeRocher. She's here again to answer your sexual and reproductive health questions. If you have a question you'd like us to tackle, please email us at educate at mabelwadsworth.org. That's Mabel, M-A-B-E-L, Wadsworth, W-A-D-S-W-O-R-T-H. We only have one question today, um, which is, after a vaginal delivery, what short-term and permanent changes should I expect my vagina to have? Will the muscles retighten on their own? And if not, how soon should I start Kegel exercises? I think a lot of women, Abby, have that um, concern and question. Um, I'd like to just start by saying that the most important exercises to do during the first few weeks after birth are to rest and get to know your baby. Realize that it may take your body many weeks to recover from the changes of pregnancy. Try not to be superwoman or rush immediately to regain your shape. And whether or not your vagina returns to its original size depends on several factors. It could be genetics, um, the size of the baby, the number of children you've had, and whether or not you do uh, Kegel exercises regularly. After giving um, birth vaginally, it's normal for your uh, vagina to be larger than it was before. And this effect is generally more pronounced um, after the birth of a, of a large baby. This is caused by the relaxation of the pelvic floor uh, muscles. These muscles will lose their tone um, with the more birth uh, that you have. Although pelvic floor exercises um, can help to tighten the pelvic floor muscles. 
if you haven't already done so, it's probably a good idea to, to do Kegels. Kegels involve um, tightening your pelvic floor muscles to help restore uh, the tone. Um, these are the muscles that surround the urethra, the tube that leaves out of your bladder and your vagina and anus. Um, you can tell that you're doing a Kegels exercise correctly because you can see yourself and feel yourself stop your urine flowing. So that's a good time to kind of practice to see if you're doing it right, is to sit on the toilet, allow yourself to pass urine, tighten your pelvic floor muscles, and if you can achieve stopping the urine flow, then bingo, you, you know you've done this correctly. Don't continue to practice, though, doing those exercises while you're passing urine because that can actually um, be damaging to your control of your urine um, flow down the road. Um, you should start doing the Kegels a few times a day, um, maybe starting with like three times a day. Each time you're you do a Kegels, start by holding it for five seconds, and then maybe the next day hold for 10 seconds, um, working yourself up to about 20 seconds with each contraction, and do them in sets of 10 and about you know four to five times a day. This will help restore uh, the tone of your vagina and will also help to um, prevent urinary incontinence or loss of urine when you cough, sneeze, or lift anything heavy as you get older. Thank you, Terry. Um, I just wanted to reiterate what you just said um, at the beginning about not trying to be superwoman. I think that was a really powerful statement, especially in our culture where on every magazine you see there are messages about getting your body back to its size and shape that it was before um, childbirth. And we hear about movie stars and we hear just how fast they're able to. And I think that um, the acceptance and the honoring of changes in our bodies is a really healthy um, and important thing that you mentioned. So I also know, um, and I, I did say we only had one question, but I'll follow up. I also know that this is something that a lot of women struggle with and have questions about. And we just talked about what people can do postpartum. Is there anything women can do um, prenatally to, um, to reduce the changes? Yes, Abby. Um, we talked about postpartum doing the pelvic floor exercises. Actually, the pelvic floor exercises can be started during the pregnancy, and this may actually help to avoid uh, tearing uh, with the delivery and make it easier for the pelvic floor muscles to rebound uh, after birth. And also, um, doing perineal massage the month before uh, your delivery can, can help the muscles at the opening of the vagina be a little bit more um, tolerant of the stretching that will occur. I think it's important to, to prenatally talk with your um, healthcare provider about whether or not she's open to maybe alternative positioning for labor and delivery, like allowing a woman to sit up uh, during the process. That may really uh, diminish the um, tension and pressure uh, around the vaginal opening and decrease the tearing uh, with birth. Um, and also to ask if they automatically, if the provider does an episiotomy or if she will work with perineal massage to decrease the need for that. And some women do choose to um, 
allow their body to just naturally have a little bit of tearing and decrease uh, the suturing uh, to follow. They request that they not be sutured, and that's really a very personal um, decision, but that is something to certainly discuss ahead of your uh, delivery. Um, you know, the truth is that in a loving relationship, this issue of getting our bodies back to exactly where we were at, you know, pre the pregnancy, um, this this shouldn't be as huge an issue in in a solid and healthy relationship, um, you know, and hopefully a relationship in which a child has been born will be one of respect, love, giving, compassion, understanding. Um, men's bodies change too, Abby. Um, men will get chest stretch marks also. They can lose their hair as they get older. Their weight can change as they age and care for their families. Having children helps us to focus on some things that are more important than just our appearance or our skin. Thank you, Terry. Thank you for being on Reproductive Left today and here to answer our listeners' sexual and reproductive health questions in the Ask Mabel segment. No problem. My pleasure, Abby. Thank you. That's it for today. Once again, we will be doing a live recording of February's show at Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center's annual event, Choice and Chocolate, on January 21st from 6 to 8 p.m. This interview will be with activists and healthcare providers from New Brunswick. In July of 2014, Mabel Wadsworth Center started seeing an increase in clients traveling to us from New Brunswick for abortion care. And that was because their local clinic, the Morgenthaler Clinic in Fredericton, had closed. Less than a year later, due to the hard work of two activist groups, Reproductive Justice New Brunswick and Fredericton Youth Feminists, Clinic 554 opened. You are invited to join us for this live recording as we learn more about the work they did and are continuing to do to keep abortion accessible in New Brunswick. For more information about the event, you can go to www.mablewadsworth.org or you can find Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center on Facebook. And you can also call 947-5337. And an RSVP is required to attend this event. If you want to listen to past episodes of Reproductive Left, you can find us on SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash Mabel Wadsworth. And you can also subscribe on iTunes or through whatever podcast app you use. Thank you for listening to Reproductive Left, produced in collaboration by WERU and Mabel Wadsworth Center. I'm Abby Strout, and please tune in next time, the first Tuesday of the month at 4.30, right here at Community Radio WERU, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, or online at WERU.org.